Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. Isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you could be seated for just a minute or two here. I want to, first of all, give a huge shout out. She wasn't here Sunday, but she's here tonight. Skylar, God bless you and congratulations. Amen. November Fallen Deer of the Month. Amen. And uh, speaking of that, she was helping to uh, serve again by filling up the, we put out 100 bags, uh, gift bags on Monday night, and uh, every team that went out reported back great success and a lot of people excited and interested and happy and smiling faces, and so I believe God's going to honor that. Uh, obviously, part of it, we were inviting them to the drama this weekend, and uh, that is going to be exciting, but of course, they We'll see the church name and website as well. And uh, whether or not they come to that, at least there's that effort that has gone out. So thanks to all those who have helped with that. This is now the second year in a row we've done the, the Christmas bag outreach. And we did some others during the year. And I think we're going to just keep doing it because it seems to be working really well. And uh, we're going to continue to reaching our community. On that note, I, I want to just mention, and, and I'm going I'm to give God all the glory so he gets 100%. If there's anything left over after that, then I'll say this. Our efforts of reaching people this year, we've had well over 500 guests. I, I, Trevor, I think the number was 509 the last time I saw, and, and, and there's been more since. Um, and that's first-time guests. We don't count them if they come back again a second time. That's just first-time guests. Last year was only 230-some-odd, so we've more than doubled. And I think it goes to the effort of some of the outreach that we've been doing and so let's keep doing that and keep talking to coworkers and neighbors and classmates and friends and so on and so forth and let them know that there is a place of hope and healing. Amen? Amen. 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 Uh, as you heard me mention this weekend, of course, is the uh, drama. Is it Saturday at 6, right, Pastor Lucas? Somebody's telling me yes. So, all right. So, Sister Avery knew the answer. All right. You win the prize, okay? All right. And uh, so, Starbucks for life. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but anyway, so Saturday at 6 p.m. will be the, the uh, uh, drama that night. And then, of course, Sunday, first word will be our, our normal. I'll be preaching and ministering. And then the worship time, 1130, will be a second uh, showing of the drama again. And so, because of that, if you want to come in Christmas colors or a casual Sunday or whatever, go ahead and do that. And uh, we'll just have a good time celebrating on Sunday. Do want to remind everybody again with weather, thank you for all of you that texted me. I appreciate that. Uh, if you didn't text me and I worried about you, shame on you. No, I'm teasing. But seriously, though, if you're not going to come, I, I respect that. Just send me or Pastor Lucas a text so we know and we can be praying for you and we'll see you online and wave online at you. Uh, I would rather you be home and safe than on the road and unsafe if you don't feel good with the weather. So thank you for that, and we'll keep doing that. One last quick thing before we dismiss uh, the youth, and that is we do need help tonight to clean off the uh, platform. We are leaving the drum cage, but everything else will be coming off the platform. So if we could get a couple men uh, to help after the service, and uh, Pastor Lucas will be in charge of that, and we'll be taking care of that. So thank you so much. Amen. Our student ministries, God bless you. You can be dismissed. I do believe most of the children are out, but I think for the other, rest of the children, there is something going on for those that are not in the drama, so our children can also be uh, dismissed at this time as well. And for everyone else and those online, would you join me in the book of Psalms, the 119th Psalm? And I'm going to begin reading at Psalm 105, which is the 14th stanza of Psalm 119. Amen and amen. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord. Teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. 
for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. And for just a few moments of your time, I'm going to teach on this topic, always faithful. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together tonight. I ask you to bless the preaching and teaching of your word. Help me to walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit every time we come together. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Be seated. The Lord bless you. Over this month, the month of November, and it's hard to believe that tomorrow is the last day of November, right? My goodness, didn't we just start like January a couple days ago? I mean, wow, November is over and we have one month left. Wow. Well, over this month, as you know, um, our teaching pastor, Jeremy Cole, has been uh, teaching. He's taught uh, on the subject of hope as it relates to giving thanks. He's taught on the seeds of gratitude and uh, two very good messages um, that have dealt with that subject and helped us to uh, have a heart of thanksgiving. Well, due to a work-related matter, uh, he was unable to prepare for tonight and asked me uh, to pinch hit for him. So that's why I'm up here tonight and not him. And I, I want to just uh, give a shout out. I appreciate his willingness to reach out. And in his own words, I quote, I could wing it, but I hate doing that because I feel like it shortchanges the listener. And it's that type of integrity that I appreciate about the pastoral team, and, and of course, Jeremy for saying it, but all of us embody that, that desire, and that he would rather have someone else preach in his place than to wing it and, and shortchange the saints of God. So thank you for that, Pastor Jeremy. I know you're watching online tonight. So um, as it turned out, God had already dealt with me about a message, and so in some sense, God already knew, and, and you know, praise the Lord. Well, Thanksgiving Day is past. I hope you had a wonderful one. I know I did. Our family was all together, and uh, what a great time we had. And, uh, you know, there was, there was great fellowship, great food, and very healthy discussion, and four dogs in our house. And uh, dear Lord Jesus, have mercy. Um, pray for me, Brother Matt. Pray for me, please, man. It's like, oh, I can't win for losing, you know? Uh, but... Now that Thanksgiving has passed, we're all gearing up for Christmas, Christmas Day. And here's what I want to encourage you as we start out tonight into this message, and that is let's remember to always be thankful and always be faithful. You see, born-again believers, we should practice thanks living, not just wait one time a year to practice Thanksgiving. We need to celebrate gratitude all the time. Last year, Shannon and I, uh, headed out um, for Maine, and uh, we our first stop was to go through St. Louis and pick up Colin in Brooklyn, who would join us on a one-way road trip driving. We flew back. I had enough points to fly us all home, but not round trip, so it was cheaper to rent the car and drive, and we had a good time driving. Well, on the way there, of course, I'm mindful of the weather, and Apple Maps has this thing where it tells you if the weather's bad or the road construction, it reroutes you, and there was a storm coming in, and so we got rerouted. Unfortunately, the storm got ahead of us or turned or something. And so we, we hit a lot of it as we were coming through. I think it was Pennsylvania. And we had to pull off of the exit to assess our, our uh, options. And, and after discussion and all that, we decided to keep going as far as we could. Um, we had to make a few changes because, you know, I'd already got one hotel reservation. So we had to change some things. Driving was slow and bumper to bumper for about the next two hours, but it finally cleared up and, and the storm was either going south or stopping or dissipating, and so we were able to, to get out of it, and you know, I was able to increase speed and so on and so forth. The next morning, we were able to drive on into Maine and get there that afternoon without any hindrance in the weather at all, and you say, well, what's that got to do with the message tonight? Glad you asked. Great question. You see, sometimes living for God is like going through that storm. We have to trust God during the midst of that storm that he is, as Psalm 119, 105 said, our lamp and our light, a lamp to our feet, a light to our pathway. And, and so, you know, I had to trust God. I had to, to, to pray, and, and, and you know, it was defensive driving, and both hands on the wheel, and concentrating, and, and you know, observing of those around me, behind me, in front of me, and so forth, and so on, to make sure that, you know, I didn't cause or was in an accident. But here's the problem. Sometimes when we come out of those storms, 
We, we start to relax. We go back to one hand on the wheel. We fiddle with the radio. We, we start talking, whatever. We're not paying attention as much. And sometimes we do the same thing in living for God. The storm passes. Everything's okay. Oh, I don't have to pray as much now. I don't have to study as hard now. You know, smooth sailing now. You know, I, I can put the cruise back on. Woo! And can I just say that that's not how we should treat God or His Word? You see, here is the problem. We need to trust Him before the storm, in the storm, out of the storm. We need to trust Him if things are going well. We need to trust Him if things aren't going well. We just need to trust Him, period. I don't want to just use God's Word as some sort of, you know, I put my $1.50 in and press, you know, E5 and get my candy bar kind of. Kind. I don't want to treat His Word that way. The psalmist in 119, and specifically the 14th stanza, wanted God to guide him and lead him daily. And I want the same, and I'm sure you do as well. I refuse to be grateful only when I need something from God. I refuse to ramp up my prayer life when I need an answer and slack off when I've received the answer. I want to practice thanks living and trust God regardless of the situation. Now, the 14th stanza that we read here tonight, and, and the reason I keep saying the 14th stanza is this. Psalm 119 is broken up into 22 stanzas of eight verses each. It correlates to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, creating a perfect acrostic, which is, is a big fancy word for what we would call an acronym. It's a, it's a way to understand poetry and write it, and, of course, to uh, memorize it if you want to. And so we're in the 14th stanza specifically. And here in this stanza, as I'm looking at it and looking through it, I begin to notice the, 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 one of the first things that really stood out to me was the faithfulness of God. And I realized, you know, Moses called him the faithful God in Deuteronomy 7.9. I realized that the prophet Isaiah said that the Holy One is faithful Isaiah 49 and 7. I begin to realize that even in the New Testament, in his first epistle to the Corinthians, Paul uh, twice said, God is faithful. That's in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, verse 13. In Peter's first epistle, he referred to God as the faithful creator in chapter 4, 19. John, in the book of Revelation, revealed him as the faithful and true witness in Revelation 3.14. And Paul tells us in Timothy, he says that God cannot deny himself. That's how faithful he is. That even if we're unfaithful, he can't deny himself and be unfaithful. I'm like, wow. You mean to tell me God is limited, that, that even if I'm unfaithful to him, he can still be and is still faithful? Yes, that's what the scripture is saying. He cannot deny himself. So there's no question then that Jesus Christ is always faithful. But what about us? What about our faithfulness to God? I, I'm married. We've been married over 30 years. I don't know if you know that or not. But, right, we're still married, right, babe? I'm making sure. Good, okay. Thumbs up. Yeah, we're no, I'm teasing. Imagine if only one of us was faithful and the other one wasn't. It would not be a complete relationship. Well, if we can understand that in the natural, it applies in the spiritual. God is infinitely faithful to me to the point he cannot deny that part of his character, his nature, his being, I need to reciprocate and be faithful to Him. Tonight as we were praying, Brother Liam come up to me and, and as many of you know, God has called him to preach and, and, and he was praying and he, he says, I, I got to tell you something. Let the Lord show me something. I said, sure, what's that? He says, you know, sometimes we, he didn't know what I'm preaching. He didn't even know I was preaching. And, and Pastor Lucas, he says, you know, he says, we get in those places where we're, we're we're looking for God and we're in trouble and we're praying for God to open a door and we're in that struggle. And he says, you know, God's right there with us. And he's trying to open the door too. And in his 11-year-old, right, 11-year-old mind, he was like, you know, God's always with us, right? So he's trying to open the door too. And I'm like, wow, profound, <laughs> beautiful. Here's the thing. He's always there for us. 
are we always there for him? The most remarkable ability is dependability, especially when it applies to discipleship. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. But our obedience, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be you doers also, right? James 2, our obedience is revealed in hearing and doing it. I don't just want faith to come and I've got faith, but I want to be faithful, being obedient to what I've heard. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is. If someone told me, hey, your, your handkerchief, your cloth is on your shoulder, and, and for some reason I needed to move it. It was you know, obstructing something, the camera or whatever. you got to remove it. It looks weird, whatever, right? My knowledge of knowing I've got to do that is not enough. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Knowledge is not power. But if I apply the knowledge and say, oh, thank you, I'm going to take care of that. Applied knowledge is where power comes in. Let me give you another example. Let's say I go back to school. I'm not going to, but say I do, just hypothetically. I've had enough. I'm now in the school of Scripture. That's just, that's, you know, you had the school of the prophets in the Old Testament. I'm in the school of Scripture, okay? I'm done. Now, God can give me a doctorate or a master's or whatever. I'm done. Okay, but watch this. Let's say I get a, a doctorate in engineering of some sort, you know, chemical engineering. My knowledge of chemical engineering would be useless if I go and get a job flipping hamburgers. I might need to do that in the interim to, as, as I'm gaining influence and going through my residency and whatever I have to do to do all that. But the fact is, if I'm not using that for its intended purpose... The degree means nothing. The knowledge is useless. I don't just want to have the knowledge of the Word of God. I don't just want to have knowledge of who He is and His faithfulness and yet not do anything about it. And so the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 knew God was always faithful, but in this stanza, the 14th stanza, he expressed a desire to be faithful to God. And there's four areas in which I want to show this to you. He wanted to walk faithfully with God. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Have you ever gone into a dark room or outside or maybe even to your car sometime in this back lot that's not well lit as much and maybe you had to turn your flashlight on your phone on to to see or maybe you walked a little bit slower let your eyes adjust so you can you can see right well that's how God's word is he's not going to just light up like the noon sun and show you everything you need to do in life when God called me to preach when I was 11 years old, I had the thought that any day now, the then superintendent, uh, Nathaniel Urshan, was going to call me and I would be preaching as the youngest preacher ever to stand on the general conference floor. I still haven't preached general conference, by the way, and I'm 50. In fact, this year, my wife taught a session, my daughter-in-love taught a session, and my son, they've all taught or preached, or ministered, you know, I still haven't. I don't know what that means I am, but, you know, chop liver, I suppose. I told Shannon, I said, babe, I'll just be happy to carry your purse for you, you know. And I did, actually. I carried it for a little bit to get her to one of her places she was going. But nonetheless, here's the point. I had this mindset that God was going to show me everything. You know, he didn't do that. He didn't tell me that, you know, in 2010, I'd be pastoring in Omaha. He didn't even tell me that in 2000 I'd be pastoring at Caribou. I didn't even, I knew where Maine was because I'd passed geography, you know. But he didn't tell me I'd be in Maine at all. He didn't tell me who my wife was. In other words, what I'm saying is he gave me enough light. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Enough light to take the next few steps. And that's how living for God is. We don't always know everything we need to know. In fact, that's how studying the Word of God is. I believe 
If God was to reveal to us the fullness of what and who he is, I think we would die. I don't think our brains have the capacity to comprehend. I think we would just go, Oop, boom, and boom, just be in the paradise with God. Because it just, I don't think we can fathom it. He is infinite. He is timeless. It's 727. I've only got about 34 minutes left, you know. And that's going over a little bit. Are you with me? But God is timeless. And, and, and so he's not, think of it like this. If I sit down to, to eat a meal, right? Let's say it's bacon and eggs and toast and some hash browns. Brother, we're going to AJ's tomorrow for lunch. And that's what I'm getting right there. You heard the menu, right? I am not going to pick up the plate and go, in one fell swoop. There's going to be a bite here, a bite there. And while I do eat fast, I still do it one bite at a time. In other words, it's that way of living for God. It's a bite at a time. It's one day at a time. Amen? Thank God. So faithful walk. He wanted to walk faithfully. Amen. Before there was electricity and headlights and street lamps and all, people would carry lamps to illuminate the way in which one should uh, shine uh, along the path or the step. And, and they could see which way they were going and, 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 and what they were doing. And uh, yeah, I will, brother. That's a good idea. Amen. Maybe we'll go there tomorrow. Good Evans. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, just got a text while I'm preaching. So thank God for technology, right? Hallelujah. I'm getting hungry already. Is it lunchtime yet? Amen. Well, back to your... This message has been brought to you in part by... No, I'm teasing. Um, when it's dark and you don't recognize the path you're on, you still need to trust and obey. Some of you remember Brother Kennedy that used to live here. He's since moved now to St. Louis. And I remember he went with me when my dad died in 2021... And we had made our first stop to get gas and get a little bite to eat. And it dawned on me, he is trusting me that I'm going to stay on the right road. He can't see where we're going. He can't see the exit coming up. He don't know when we've left May or, uh, Nebraska to go to Kansas or whatever. He, he's just trusting that I'm going to get him there. And, and when we get out of the car, he's going to trust that I get him into the store and Show him where the restroom is and then show him where the, you know, this is where, what soda do you want? And, and I'm pouring the right soda for him. If he says Coke Zero, I'm not giving him, you know, Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? And all of the, it just dawned on me, all this trust. And then it hit me. Isn't it the same way living for God sometimes? And it's not that we're necessarily blind to everything, but it's trusting him that he's going to lead me and, and, and I'm not going to trip and, and fall over something because he's going to watch where I'm going for me. Amen. And so it's following him. It's, it's being obedient to his word. I, I, I encourage you to get on like BibleGateway.com or uh, some other type of place if you've got a, a Bible program where you can search by a word uh, and, and just type in the word walk and look at all the, the times that it relates to Old and New Testaments to how we should walk. I'm just going to use a few from the New Testament and, and think about this. Enoch, the second person inducted into God's hall of faith, what was his testimony? That he walked with God and pleased him. You know, walking seems mundane, doesn't it? Just one step in front of the other. It doesn't say that he built something great for the Lord and, you know, and like Noah building an ark or Moses, you know, building the tap. No, he just walked with God faithfully. We don't have any record where Enoch received any kind of word, message, or angelic visitation from God. And yet he just kept walking faithfully with God. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 6 to walk in newness of life. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
We're to walk honestly, Romans 13, 13. We're to walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians. We're to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5. We're to walk in good works, Ephesians 2. We're to walk worthy of God's high calling, Ephesians 4. We're to walk in love, Ephesians 5. We're to walk as children of light, Ephesians 5.8. We're to walk circumspectly, Ephesians 5.15. We're to walk in wisdom, Colossians. We're to walk to please God, 1 Thessalonians. We're to walk in truth, 2 and 3 John. We're to walk lovingly in His commandments, 2 John verse 6. And by the way, that's not all, but that's a few. For those who faithfully overcome, who endure to the end, who remain steadfast, who walk as these verses and others illustrate... Here's what God promises in Revelation 3, 4, that I'll walk with you and you'll walk with me in white. In other words, purified, made new in eternity. I've heard the audible voice of God twice in my life. The first was when I was 11 years old. God called me to preach. He simply just said, read Exodus 4, 5. And it was, sounded about like that in a man's voice. And I'm like, wow, okay. I go and... Exodus 4 or 5, that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And those last four words, hath appeared unto thee. I had prayed and asked God if he wanted me to be a preacher to give me a scripture, and he did. And I went in the uh, kitchen where my mom was cooking. I said, God just called me to preach. She told me the story later. The reason she started crying wasn't just because she's a mom and moms cry, but it was because when I was nine and the doctors had said I wouldn't live, and I was in a semi-coma due to spinal meningitis. My pastor came in and prayed, and God healed me. I went home the next day, but he told my mom, he said, God has called him to preach, but don't tell him until he tells you. And so my pastor saw something I didn't yet know, and two years later when God called me to preach, she remembered that story, and I didn't die. I am still alive and, and preaching his word. The second time I heard God's audible voice, I was uh, 15. I was struggling. It was a season, a dark season of my life. I didn't have any friends. I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't want to live. And it wasn't that I had suicidal ideations. It was just that I, I just, what was the use? What was the purpose, you know? And it was just frustrating. And, and here I am trying to, you know, do the best of both worlds and in school and that season of life where you're, you're in your freshman and sophomore years and just, oh, you know, ah, oh, crazy. And, ah, oh! and I'm praying one night and more of my prayer was more complaining, but nonetheless, God spoke again. Read Micah 7, 7 and 8. There's only two times I've heard the voice of God and both times to read the scripture. And I, I, read, and I read Micah 7, 7 and 8, and it says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I said in darkness, the Lord shall be a light on me. And it, it dawned on me. Here I am in darkness and he's with me. And it's just what, like what Liam said to me tonight. I'm sitting there trying to open this door and trying to figure it out. And God's right there with me the whole time and I didn't even know it. He was trying to turn the light on. Amen. I'm glad he's my light. He's the lamp and light. Amen. By the way, you know the Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. It's not about the falling, it's about the getting back up because when I fall, I shall arise. The second part of this psalm, this 14th stanza, is, is to speak faithfully. Take a look at, with me to verse 106. I have sworn I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. That's what I felt happened to me when I was 15. Verse 108. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. He wants to speak faithfully. He doesn't just want to walk faithfully. He wants to speak faithfully. By the way, have you noticed people don't lie anymore? The other day I was listening to a politician and, and she just said, oh, I misspoke. I'm like, oh, okay, you can fancily call it something else, but you lied. They justify their sin. They believe they've done nothing or anything wrong. In fact, I was reading an article where corporations now expect, that true word, expect people to lie. I'm like, what? They... Please, in your new business, do not expect the people you hire to lie. Right? I mean, Joey, can you imagine 
if I come and I apply for your, you know, your, your company and, and, and you expect me to lie? I mean, what does that say about our society? It says people aren't faithfully speaking anymore. I'm glad God cannot lie. <laughs> Titus 1-2 tells us that. And the psalmist here made an oath and intended to keep it. He wanted God to accept the free will offerings of his mouth. That's because the psalmist's affliction in verse 107, it could be related to the lies and slander of those who had persecuted him. If you read other stanzas, you'll find that there's some slander and persecution going on. But instead of retaliating against his enemies, he desired that God would teach him. God, teach me through this. In other words, while it bothered him that others would unjustly afflict him, he said, I'm afflicted, right? Instead, he chosen to focus on the eternal and not the temporal. His reaction to their slander would be that he would speak honestly and faithfully. David said it this way, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, Psalm 19, 14. David's praise should be ours from Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 4, 24. Put away from you a froward mouth and perverse lips put far away from you. Every born again believer should be able to say and to quote and to live Proverbs 8, verse 8 about the way we speak. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. And here's why Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Paul wrote and he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Listen to this from, here's two really good reasons why we need to do this. James posed the rhetorical question, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing? My brethren, these things ought not be so, but then... Listen to what Solomon said in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, that last part we don't quote too often. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We kind of stop there. But the rest of that verse says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, if you love death, that's what you're going to eat. Because that's what you're speaking. But if you love life, and that's what you're speaking, that's what you're going to eat. Well, I don't know about you, but... That's what I want to do. I want to taste life. The third thing the psalmist did, he even wanted a faithful remembrance or memory of God. Listen to Psalm 109, uh, 119, 109, and 110. He said, My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet... I have not erred from thy precepts. Two times there's the yet there. You know, the, the one that my soul is in my hand, the other, the wicked is laying a snare. But both times he goes, but yet. He could easily said, I'm remembering your word, I'm remembering your precepts, and I'm not going to fail. Would to God that we would have a faithful memory of his word. I don't know what scrolls might have been available uh, that, that the psalmist could have had access to, but whatever there were, they would be large and, and, and maintained by the scribes and, and were read publicly. And yet the psalmist says, I'm going to commit myself to that. And whether or not he could go and actually open them up and read them and touch them, I'm not for sure. But I know this, every time he heard it, every time he, if he was able to open it up like we are our Bibles, he wanted to know it to apply it, to put it within his heart. David said it this way, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. The wicked wanted to trap him, but he would not stray because he was remembering, yet I will not forget thy law. And I remember it. How much do we treasure God's word? Is it just another book? Or are we faithfully committed to studying it? Oh, I would, but I don't have time. I, I, 
folks, I, I'm 50. I've pastored now uh, since 2000, and, uh, 2000 and, and I've been a youth pastor and all that since 1993. Let me tell you something. I've heard every excuse out there. And that's all they are is excuses. We all have the same amount of time every day. Did you know that? And when people say, I don't have time, what you're really saying is, I'm not willing to take what time I do have and invest in that. Boy, it's getting quiet. Just, just saying, I'm not trying to wax pastoral here and, and, and rebuke anybody, but here's the fact. We all have the same 86,400 seconds every day. What are we doing with them? How often do you read the Bible? Have you memorized any verses? Has the unlimited access to God's Word made it ordinary and mundane? I'm reminded of the, the account of some uh, born-again believers in, in an access-challenged nation and received the own, their a Bible. And of course, they had to keep it hidden but the joy they had over getting a Bible in their language. I remember the missionary that stood in this pulpit and talked about how the, 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 the people of Uganda don't have enough money to buy a Bible in their language. They're readily available, but they don't have enough money. And I'm thinking it must be astronomical, thousands of dollars per Bible. And then he told us how much it cost, 15 bucks. I'm like, good night. I, I literally got up, walked out of the room, walked into my study and count. I had 22 Bibles on my shelf. Fifteen bucks? My goodness. They would go to meetings where they would put the words up on a screen and they would give them pens and papers and they would write as many verses as they could. And that was their Bible until the next time. And they go and now it's, say, Matthew chapter 5 and now they're writing as much of that. Then the next time it's Matthew chapter 6. And I'm like, dear Lord, we obviously raised an offering that night and we've sent some cents to buy more Bibles. So do we treasure it? If the wicked were to lay a snare to entrap you, would you faithfully commit yourself to remember and not turn away from God's precepts? I love God's word. I, I do. And I also love technology. I'm using an iPad to you know, present my notes here tonight. I love every morning I'm reading my Bible on my phone. I love version. I love the ability to, to have that access. I, I use Logos Bible software uh, in my study to, to study the Scripture, to look deeper into etymology and, and encyclopedias and all sorts of different things. I, I love the Bible plans that I can read on version and, and the easy access it is to whip out that phone and poof, there it is, you know, uh, and, and, and to, to look at it. But here's the thing. Uh, my phone at times has died because not enough charge. There's been an app sometimes no longer work because it needs an update. Or I've needed to update software that I'm using in order to continue. Or Wi-Fi is down for repair. Or the cell service is weak. Or I couldn't access my electronic devices, so on and so forth. But here's the fact. My Bible has never needed a software update. I've never received a report that says, you know, please update in order to access this is not just my phone. I can, you know, view social media on here. It's my alarm tomorrow morning. It's my calendar. It's my secretary. Hey, Siri, right? I didn't want you. It's just an illustration. You can go back to sleep now, right? But this is only my Bible. This is not preaching against technology. I love it. I use it. I'm just saying, this is only my Bible. Do we treasure it? Do we love it? Okay, moving on. The fourth thing. The psalmist wanted a faithful heart. Listen to verses 111 and 112. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. The things that make me the happiest, the things that I get most excited about, 
is your word, your testimonies. I have inclined my heart. In other words, I have made up my mind to perform your statutes always, even unto the end. What you don't see here is him saying, I'm going to search this for loopholes and see if I can, what I can get away with and how little I have to do. Pastor, is it heaven or hell? No, that's not what he said. He said, if it's in your word, I'm going to do it. It rejoices my heart. I want to know more of it. I can't get enough of it. Tell me more. I know I've heard the story of Noah, but tell me again. I know I've read about Abraham, but tell me again. It's the difference between Jacob and Esau. This is the image I have. of, of, of you know, It was oral tradition then. And, and you know, Grandpa Abraham was, was alive for a little bit of their lives. And, and they would tell the stories. And, and so Abraham would sit there at night around the campfire. And he'd start telling the story. And, and, and here's how I picture you know, Jacob. He's on the edge of his seat. Yeah, yeah, Grandpa. It was the Oaks of Mora, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where the angel got. Oh, tell me again. I, I, that's the picture I have of, of Jacob. Meanwhile, Esau's over there like... Can we go to bed yet? I'm tired. i got to work tomorrow. I've heard this story a hundred times, Grandpa. Because the Bible says he despised his birthright. He hated it. Jacob loved God's word. You know that verse that says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated? It's a hard verse to wrap our minds around because God is love. How could God hate somebody? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Proverbs tells us that the Lord hates he, the person who sows discord. So it is possible for God to do that. But the deeper understanding of that verse is that if you, if you get to the depth of those words in the original language, it means Jacob was lovable Esau was hateful. It doesn't take away from that God loved and hated. It's the fact that it was easy to hate because he was hateful. He didn't want anything to do with it. I'll sell my birthright. I'm hungry. What's my birthright? He hated it. He despised it. But the psalmist is, oh, rejoices my heart. It's not I have to go to church. It's, I get to live for God. It's not, oh, got a media fast coming. Oh, no, it's, I get to stay committed to God. I get to draw closer to Him. It's all about perspective. It's all about flipping the script. The Word of God is a priceless, precious treasure. It is a deep mine filled with all sorts of gems and jewels. And those willing to make the effort to dig will find the wealth that supersedes anything money can buy. Mere surface reading will only take our time and not produce any value. But mining for the treasured truth in God's word will take effort and energy and will bring joy to the one willing to do the work. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how do you know all this stuff? And I wasn't trying to be arrogant, cocky, or aloof. I just said, because I study? Here's the thing. I don't know these things because I you know, am ordained by the United Pentecostal Church or that God called me to preach when I was 11. I know him by studying. You know what that means? You could know him too. You just got to study. You just got to put in the same effort. The psalmist was determined to obey God all the way to the end faithfully. He says, I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. I'm going to make it all the way. 
your lamp. Your word is that lamp and light. And, and I may not know what, what the path is. And I may not know if there's a valley of shadow of death coming or not. But I'm going to follow you all the way to the end. Let me say it this way. Show me what you put your heart into. And I'll tell you what you value. What do you treasure today? Do you read and study God's word daily? I love the noble Bereans because the Bible says not only were they open-minded, but they searched the scriptures daily. I was telling somebody the other day, I was asking some questions, and I said, I just want to tell you this before I start answering. I love questions, and I'm not afraid of them, and neither is the Bible, and I, I want more because I want to grow too. I want to know too. Do you merely sit on a blue chair for a few hours every week, or does your heart's desire compel you to want to know more about God? Once you set your heart, once you incline your heart to obey the word, your life is on the right course, even if it's dark. Because how many of you know that the Lord orders the steps of the righteous? I'm not trying to add to or take away from Scripture. I'm very cautious about that. But how many of you know he also orders the stops? And if he orders our steps and our stops, then that means if our steps are going through a dark time, what did the psalmist David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's how I can do it. That's how I can pers persevere to the end. And I believe the psalmist had a glimpse of that to be able to say, you know what? The reason I can incline my heart to do that is because I know he's going to be with me to the end. And if he's going to be with me, well, I'm going to be with him. If he's not going to leave me, I'm not going to leave him. Amen. This 14th stanza, the, I love the Hebrew language, and the more I study it, the more I, I love it. And what's beautiful is in this stanza, in fact, if you have a Bible, you might notice um, that, I'll show Sister Dana, you're the lucky person here, so, or not lucky, you're blessed, I don't believe in luck. So does your Bible have something like this right here, see that, how that it shows a, a word above the top? Yeah, yours got it, yeah, there it is. Okay, anybody see that in your Bible, if you've got your Bible open, that just above Psalm 119, each stanza, see that, brother? See, there's a benefit to sitting on the front row. You're going to see the bishop's Bible up close. Isn't that nice? You want to hold it? No, I'm just... <laughs> but atop a of that is the Hebrew letter. Okay? Now, don't ask me to pronounce it. I don't know. It looks like nun to me, but it's not nun. It is N-U-N, but I'm not for sure how to pronounce it. I'm not Hebrew. But here's what I do know about it. There's also a symbol and. This Bible that I have has a symbol as well, and maybe yours does too. Every letter has a meaning, a definition, a purpose. The best way we can kind of understand it is how many remember kindergarten? A is for, and there's a picture of an apple, right? Okay, same kind of concept. We, we, we associate an image and the sound of what it looks like and how it's spelled with that letter. Same thing with the Hebrew. Well, the 14th letter has a twofold meaning. It first means to fear God in reverence and awe. And if you, if you kind of see, there is, uh, it, it's like a backward C. It's like this little top and down and this way. And of course, the way you're looking, it would look like a regular C. So it's kind of like this. And, and the top is like the fearing God, reverencing Him, having that awe that, that, that He's infinite or, and I'm finite and but then the, the, the bottom one correlates to loving him wholeheartedly and living thankfully and generously blessing others. And they're connected because one without the other is incomplete. And if, if one is missing, it's not the same letter. If the bottom was missing, it's not the same letter. If the top one isn't there, it's, it's not the same letter. You have to have both. In other words, it's about fear and love together. And, you, and that's a hard concept to wrap our minds around because fear God, well, 
99% of what fear means there is not afraid. There's a part of that that means afraid, but it's that deep reverence and awe for God, coupled with love. You see, those who fear God and love Him are those who express the heart of thanks living. Such people are always faithful. And we'll hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, Shannon, in, in our 30 years of marriage, and I've been youth secretary, youth president, presbyter, superintendent, a lot of titles. You now just got a new one the other day, you know, a few months ago. You're now an independent, licensed professional counselor or whatever, right? All these, Jackie, you've got your doctor, Ferris, right? But notice the, the, the scripture doesn't say, well done, good and faithful doctor, superintendent. It also doesn't say, well done, good and successful. Because like Mother Teresa, God has not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. I want to hear him say those words. And here's how I know I'm going to hear them. I've got to start right. But like the psalmist, I've got to end right. And so I've inclined my heart. I've made up my mind. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to hear that trumpet. And whether I'm dead already or still alive and remain, I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, and I hope you are too, because I want to celebrate in eternity with you, because he's been faithful, and I'm going to be the best I can to be faithful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet in Jesus' name, and let's just thank the Lord together for his immeasurable great Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Morning by morning, thy mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you and bless you tonight. We worship and adore you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. I, I, I pray this has blessed your heart tonight. I pray that, that, that you will take this and do your best to stay committed to God absolutely 100% through thick or thin and make it all the way home. God bless you in Jesus' name. If I could get some men up here to help in Jesus' name.